For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In 2022, a pair of former ballplayers and a talented young broadcaster were tasked with creating a college football podcast. These men promptly escaped into the mountains of West Virginia and got to work. If you want top-level football analysis, off-topic stories, and locker room humor, you're in the right place. You are in the gun. In the Gun, episode number 65, it's time to preview, to break down, to discuss the WVU offensive side of the football this week. We will get to defense and special teams later on. We're going to start on the offensive side of the football here today on ITG. I'm Wesley Euler with the best teammates in the business. Got the signal caller, Jed Drenning, and the runaway beer truck looking like an 80s football coach in that outfit. Owen Schmidt, baby, he's ready for football season. He's fired up. Look at him. Looks like Buddy Ryan out there running the running the Eagles defense and just hammering people into the turf. Oh, look at it, brother. 1980s head football coach. Gotta love it. Great stuff. Plenty to get to on this edition of ITG. As always, you know, this episode brought to you in part by our friends at Bet Online. I kind of word vomited that. Let me say that again. Brought to you in part by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all of your betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live bets and all your favorite casino and card games available to play right on your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up and get in on the action. Make sure you use the promo code BELIEVE when you sign up for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's B L E A V at Bet Online, where the game starts. And speaking of the game starting, gentlemen, we are not getting the start of. Uh, EA Sports College Football, but we are getting the return finally uh, about a decade later of uh, one of the games that we all grew up playing. Somebody on this show might have even been on the cover one year. I've been told it's been alleged that somebody was pretty big time and was on the cover of NCAA football once upon a time. Well, EA Sports confirming this past week that next summer the college football video game will return and guys, I know we all played this growing up. Um, it was I, I used to go to GameStop and reserve the game. Remember how you could reserve games and pay for them months in advance, so you know you got a copy on the first day. And that was always like one of my favorite days of the summer was in mid July when that game would come out. So pretty cool. And uh, I tell you what, Owen, like it's coming out at a time where. I mean, you're going to have the college football playoff in there. You're going to have the transfer portal in there. Do they do anything with NIL? Like, it's going to be pretty in-depth. It's going to be pretty cool. 
Yeah, it's going to be cool. Plus all this uh, conference realignment. I mean, yeah. they're all going to be on there. You know, is it going to be the 12-team playoff? I'd assume they probably might as well, yeah. right? At that so, point, yeah. Let's go, dog. I mean, sign me up for dynasty mode. Well, that's what I was going to say. When you go to dynasty mode, the last time we played this game, obviously, uh, there was no portal. There was no NIL. There was no most of this. There was recruiting. I remember it was kind of fun to push all your efforts into like one or two kids to see if you could outbid the computer, out outbid, out recruit the computer. But now I, I would imagine there's going to be some semblance of that with the cash being doled out for these NIL offers. I don't know how they're going to do that. It'll be interesting, but uh, how can you not be excited? Uh, it's it's long time coming, way overdue. Uh, I say that you know. Oh, and we've talked about this on the show before. You and Deshaun Jackson went to all those functions when he was coming out of Cal and you were coming out of WVU. We should get you guys back on the show next summer. There you to go. Head to head. Like the resurgence. Yeah, with like five-minute quarters or, you know. And there's going to do the play-by-play. salty dogs out there. I'm going to tell you that much, man. They're going to say, oh, man, this isn't as easy as I thought it would be. Because, you know, at the end of the seasons, we like, Hey, your best player left, man. He's getting uh, $2.5 million from, from uh, Alabama. From Alabama. Well, like, so, yeah. What the hell, man? You know, one of the first things I thought of, Owen, was when Colorado, you know, earlier in the summer announced their move to the Big 12. Everybody was thinking, well, recently Colorado hasn't done much of anything, right? Well, I immediately went back to, again, the dynasty mode Colorado teams. With all the, you know, Rashawn Salam, Cordell, I mean, all the players. Cordell Stewart, baby. Eric, the enemy. And you know what I used to do? I'm dating myself now. I've said this before, I think. Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, that Freddie Kitchens was my roommate when I was coaching for Rick Trickett at Glenville in 99. And Freddie and I spent the better part of the summer every evening when we weren't out mowing the lawn at the field or doing the chores of D2 coaches. We just, we were the only two in that building. I cut a big warehouse outside of Glenville. So Freddie and I would sit in the recliners and we'd play four hours of EA sports and he'd pick a team. I'd pick a team. We'd just go at it. Who didn't do that? Right. Yeah. But uh, and Freddie can run some offshore on the computer, but he was no better at it in real life than I was. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it was, I, I, how can you not be excited about this coming oh. back? Right. My, my favorite thing to do was take like a max, like take Toledo or Kent state or yeah. take like Utah state or Nevada, a program like that. And just over like seven or eight seasons, just turn them into an absolute powerhouse, yeah. get, in, yeah. get, get invited into a power conference or something like that. And, uh, and sit back and admire all my work. Yeah, no, everyone's going to be jacked up for, for that one. I got to imagine it'll be one of the most anticipated and hyped video game releases for, for a long time is again, you know, I think anyone who was into sports, particularly football grew up playing that game and it's been gone for so long. Now it's going to be a lot of fun to see it return next summer. Um, There were some whispers. It could have been this year. There were even some whispers that maybe it's not going to be for a long time with some of the uncertainty of, you know, licensing and all that stuff. So good to have that uh, confirmed to return next summer. And yeah, we'll definitely do some fun stuff here on ITG. Maybe we'll live stream some games or some things like that. We'll maybe we'll all do a dynasty league where we all pick a school in the same conference and we have to play out a season and we'll keep you posted on the standings or something as it, as it goes along. I'm exposing myself as a super nerd with this. I realize, but I, I could just as fun have a game on in the background, letting it play itself out while I'm working. That is, that is like super. There's an actual game on in the, in, you know, 
it's better than most of the stuff on TV, right? Well, that's the sim. He's a sim. The Jed's like, I got a heck of a battle between uh between Navy and uh San Diego State going <laughs> yeah, on yeah. here. Hold on, I'm gonna have to wait. An imaginary game, quarter, yeah, right? absolutely. Stakes are high in these imaginary games, yeah. <laughs> This episode of ITG also brought to you in part by our friends at Toothman Ford. We all know cars cost less in Grafton. Make sure you're getting your butt to Grafton for all of your vehicle needs and uh, support the people who do so much to support our student athletes in Morgantown. All right, gentlemen, the uh, the soup du jour on the uh, podcast here today, an offensive breakdown. Taking a look here, previewing, discussing, conversing about the offensive side of the football for uh, our Mountaineers this season. Uh, Jed, where do you want to start here? I mean, I know you're the signal caller, so you want to start at quarterback? Do you want to start in the trenches? Where? How do you want to break this down? Well, everybody's everybody's going to want to start at quarterback as I lean into my mic and talk about this. And, and again, I think that the, the battle being waged in camp, uh, I'm watching as much of it on the app as I have. I'm going to go to the scrimmage uh, later in the week. But, but uh, the first step has to be, uh, in any kind of battle like this, you know, when you experienced one firsthand, you know, with with Pat White and Bednarik in 05, right? I mean, for the first half of the season, uh, they split time. We've talked about this many times, and it worked. They were 5-1. and one. It wasn't until Pat White announced to Coach Rodriguez and the world in the Louisville game, I am now ready. Don't force me in prematurely and ruin me. I'm ready. So the question is, will Garrett Green or Nico Markey, I'll do that. And if so, at what point? But it starts with this. Before you win the job, you have to avoid losing the job. Yes, you want to be the aggressor. Yes, you want to get your best foot forward. But you got to make crisp, sound decisions. It's all about the decision-making, putting the offense in the best spot to succeed. And I, I think it's all going to start there. We can get into some metrics as well as getting into personnel, which we will. But none of these other things are going to matter if you don't have the mission control position solved in a major way, especially in front of 110,000 people in Happy Valley under the lights. I mean, they better not flinch, whoever it's going to be. Again, I could see a scenario. I'm not forcing the issue with either one of these guys. I think they can both help us in different ways. I'm not dodging the issue. I'm saying that why rush it if one of them don't assert themselves? There are multiple ways with their skill sets. Again, Garrett, completely different type of player, explosive, dynamic. He's going to be one of the fastest kids on the field or any position when he's out there. Nico, more of a pocket guy, but don't under underestimate how slippery he can be. I'm watching some of the stuff in camp. He's extending plays. He has a pocket presence to him. And he's elusive and athletic, and he's also a dual threat, but in the sense that he's bigger physical and can shake some guys so they both can bring different things to the table let's see over the course of the next couple of weeks if one of them asserts themselves or if they don't but either way I think we got two solid options and let's kind of see where this goes oh and revisit if you can think back to your first camp in 05 what was that like with those two guys there wasn't a decisive there wasn't in other words Rich didn't make a decisive ruling going to that Syracuse opener all right Here's what we're going to do. It's Adam Bednarik. It's They didn't do either. They both played. Walk us through what that was like from the inside looking out. Well, I, in my opinion, I think Adam kind of had to leg up just because he had been there. Um, 
the previous year, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so with him being a little more familiar, I think Coach Rod just, you know, f- felt like kind of he was he was always, in my opinion, always had kind of like the leg up. Pat clearly in practice was completely, in my opinion, more athletic. Uh, just was able to move around the pocket more. Uh, when he did take off, I mean, he was gone. It was, you know, you kind of felt like you could tell that he was still learning, you know what I'm saying? Um, but always were battling in practice. And then honestly, once that ended up, once Adam went down that obviously, and we talk about that, you know what I'm saying? You've talked about that numerous times on the show here. Uh, that's when, you know, Pat obviously, you know, made his, his charge for the starter and never looked back. Um, but it was always good battles in practice. Both got similar amount of reps, um, but it just kind of seemed that the coaching staff was just more familiar, a little more comfortable with Adam just because of his uh, time being there the year before. Wes, that makes sense to me. And, and when I think back to how that unfolded, what I remember over those first six games when we won five of them, is when Pat got in the game, there weren't really people clamoring. Why isn't he starting? Right. What they were saying was, wow, he's fast. You know? So it's almost like, oh, and here's the sense that I get with this. A player like Pat, a player that dynamic, is able to make the, the wrong call right. You see what I'm saying? Like erase a mistake by a coach. But if he's not ready, he can also make the right call wrong because he's not going to properly execute things. So what we got to do with both these kids and Nico and with Garrett is make sure, first of all, I think they both have the athleticism, the skill set, Wes, to, to make the wrong call right. Like I'm going to get into some numbers later on and the difference that I think an athletic quarterback can make with Neil Brown as a play caller, some of the things he did at Troy, all that. But first, before you get into making the wrong call right, and your escapability, making something look a lot better than it should, you, you can't be in a position where you're making the right call wrong. You got to get things in order. You got to get things lined up. You have to have an absolute command of everything. So let's get, before we, we, we start making big plays to bail us out when it otherwise would be a bad play, let's first execute the everyday play. Uh, with absolute consistency because what I see I see they both can do that they can both execute the everyday play but it's a matter of consistency in other words don't have half a bad day and then two good days how about two and a half good days you know let's let's get to that yeah we got to raise the floor right yeah exactly the the ceiling might not be astronomical yet but you got to have a high floor as well too and and kind of limit any potential mistakes there yeah I think that's absolutely right by you it'll be interesting to see if we have another kind of 2005 type season where there feels like a moment where one of these guys just grab it or if it if it's Garrett's greens to start and he never relinquishes it you know whatever it it ends up being um that's obviously any anytime you kind of because think about it it's been a while since we've had some quarterback uncertainty in Morgantown right because yeah. you went from you went from two years of knowing Will Greer was going to be the guy Right. And then you and and then you had Austin Kendall, who was 
not that we had seen a ton of him, but there was at least some, you know, he's coming from in conference. He's coming from Oklahoma. Everyone was confident he was going to be the guy he was yeah, early on. Yeah. And then you go to Deggy and then it's Deggy's job for two and a half years. Right. And then even last year, while we didn't know him in terms of being in house, everyone was learning about JT Daniels. Like there wasn't a question who was going to be the guy. I know they waited yeah. some time to officially name JT the guy, but we all knew that that was going to be the end game there. Penn State hasn't named their guy. That's just the modern way <laughs> of doing just, business. That's just right? the way of doing business. Until, guy, until, until, yeah. until blowhard Pat Narduzzi comes out in his press conference and goes, well, actually, yeah, yeah, I'll tell yeah. you who's going to start for West yeah, Virginia. Right. <laughs> it's going to be JT Daniels. <laughs> like we, we haven't had a legitimate <laughs> – Owen like that one. <laughs> we haven't <laughs> had a – We haven't had a uh, legitimate question mark about who's going to be the day one starter – I mean, even before Will Greer, it was, it was Skylar Howard, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been it's been almost a de- it's been about a decade. You're absolutely right that the Ford Childress era, right? Yep. Um, yep. So I I'm intrigued to see how that plays out. I do hope that like the ideal scenario to me is whoever ends up starting the Penn State game plays 12 games right and then a bowl game as well too and, and and you just have a guy who clearly gets that opportunity and never relinquishes it but if I'm putting my money on it I think it's more likely to go the other way where we could have a you know not exactly play out like 2005 but something similar to that where we see two guys and then we have a moment where one guy grabs it and runs with it but did you see the 24 7 sports rankings today Jed I did not 24-7 sports ranked all starting quarterbacks in the Power Five, okay? There's, oh, okay. Six, there's 69 Power Five teams. Nice. Carmen, so, yeah. number one on the list was Drake May of North Carolina. Number two on the list was Caleb Williams of USC. On down Huge the list. Suspects, yeah. Oh, number two. Wow. Caleb Williams yeah. two. They had yeah, Drake I'm May Drake one. Drake May, and, but I don't know if I'm that high. Wow. I know. I would have probably had them flipped. Um, Garrett Green was dead last, number 69. So just in front of him was Grant Wells of Virginia Tech, a West Virginia connection there as, as well, too. Um, I don't I, I will be hard pressed to believe that we're going to be sitting here in January and looking back and saying WVU had the worst quarterback play of any power five team. If we do, we're probably not going to have the type of season that we want to. Um, but probably. I think that I I think that yeah. speaks uh, right. I mean that's that's pretty easy to put together. If your quarterback's the worst in Power Five, you probably didn't have a very good season. Um, I think that just speaks though to the relative unknown and just kind of you know we we saw each of these guys in glimpses last year and we've seen Garrett yeah. Green at other times as well too. But the overall body of work just not a ton to go off of there. That doesn't say much about Oklahoma. <laughs> when he can come off the bench and and beat Oklahoma, it doesn't say much about Oklahoma State on the road. Uh, it doesn't they have, much they, have they have Rocco backed Anthony's son at Iowa State ranked 57th on their list of power five quarterbacks well they have they have you know what's called out at Iowa State now they're not calling it a five card culture but uh instead oh, of the five instead of the five star culture the five right. card culture oh but, boy uh yeah uh so yeah it, it's everything this is all about you gotta earn it on the field the reason we're preseason 14th in the Big 12, we haven't earned it on the field. The reason that, you know, Garrett or Nico is even on the list is because you got to earn it on the field. You can't come in late. And and, uh, and, and that, that's just the nature of what we're looking at. But uh, here's here's kind of the way that I look at this. This is, this is a good opportunity, I think, to 
segue into why I think, let's take it like this. The quarterbacks ranked ahead of Garrett or whoever else you might place there uh, for West Virginia, whether it's Nico, whether it's Garrett. Let, let's talk about the offensive lines they're playing behind. Because, uh, again, that's the first thing I'll say as a former quarterback. They make me or break me, right? So uh, this offensive line that we have, uh, we know what we got with them, tackle to tackle. It's just a function right now who who are the swingmen, right? Who's six, seven, and eight. I think we know who six is going to be, depending on how you look at it, what your perspective is on the position. But but we know we're locked in at the starting five, and we make, can make a very compelling case about why we're solid tackle to tackle, right? But here, here's some of the good and some of the bad, okay? An interesting stat that we can look at, and this speaks to Matt Moore, and it speaks to uh, the continuity of the offensive line. Here's a metric for you. Last year, West Virginia's offense, we had the third fewest blown blocking assignments in all of Power 5 on run plays. So, in other words, if we were asked to do something, we mastered that task and we did it. So, now it's a function of the cracks between the keys. You know what has to go the way of the dinosaur? When it's third and one, it's suddenly third and six. When it's third and goal from the two, it's third and goal from the seven. Because we're the most penalized team in the Big 12. Part of that rests at the feet of the offensive line. Now, again... Your level of comfort from the quarterback position, I'm a big believer of this, also translates to how comfortable the rest of the offense is, and that also translates to how many times you might be penalized or not. But So, yeah, we're not blowing assignments. We're not having a lot of MAs. That's great, and that will continue to get better as these guys rep and rep more together. But those little things, even I would say post-snap, I'm comfortable with where we are. Maybe it's a pre-snap thing. Let's master the pre-snap like we have the post-snap and stop hurting ourselves. I mean, look at those critical situations that we saw last year that I just referenced. We can ill afford, especially if we're going to be a run-oriented team that's trying to take the lid off the top and go some play action and hurt some quarters coverage teams that are playing downhill to stop that run. You don't want to be facing a lot of third and longs, okay, because – Guys, on third down, we had the lowest passer rating in the Big 12 because we were putting ourselves in a lot of bad situations. So you got to overcome that. Now, here I, I talked earlier, Owen, about how I wanted to get into a couple numbers. Now, what we haven't seen out of Neil Brown at West Virginia, he's been here since 2019, you just went through the list from Austin uh, to uh, Jarrett and, and on up on up through until Garrett, really. Garrett's the, the, the close we've had, and that was just a glimpse. When you look at his big playability at Troy versus West Virginia, here's a stat for you. At Troy, he averaged a 40-plus yard play offensively, whether it be in the run game or the pass game. I think they're interlinked. Uh, once every 49 plays, so better than one a game, okay? At West Virginia, it's been once every 104 plays. Ooh. What's the biggest difference? When you look at what he had at Troy, he had two guys predominantly behind center and Brandon Silvers and Caleb Barker who could hurt you with their legs. And they did. Like, uh, Caleb Barker had multiple 40-plus yard runs himself. He had 70-yard runs. So you had true dual-threat quarterbacks when Neil Brown was calling this offense at Troy. 
and they were toward the top of the uh, conference, excuse me, toward the top of the Sun Belt. His last couple of years, I think they led the Sun Belt in big plays. And the biggest difference that I see is that function or that skill set at the quarterback position behind center. We've been more one-dimensional. We talked about it last year, Owen, with JT. Uh, yeah, they bring a different asset to the table, but also you're giving something up and doing that. So maybe it's a better fit and maybe it's a better time to be going back to that dual threat to exercise some of this. But but Owen, first, let's get some thoughts on you. You played behind solid offensive lines. You played behind a Dan Moses, who's one of the only consensus All-Americans. It's a short list at West Virginia. That group of guys you played behind. Talk about the difference, because it, what pisses me off most. I understand picking us 14th. Again, we haven't proven enough on the field. But don't sit here and tell me we have a last place offensive line. Get that nonsense out of here, right? Uh, I want to talk about how critical that is to have that unit paving the way and setting the stage and really setting the mindset for the rest of the offense. Well, right off the top of the head here, uh, it's great billboard material for the team this year. Um these guys have to know they are the absolute underdog. Um, I feel like West Virginia has always played better, um, at least for my my squads. Um, we always played really well as the underdog. And, you know, there's not much up for grabs there, right? Hey, the, everybody thinks you're going to be the worst anyways. Um, go out there, give your best effort, you know, make things happen. But – to, to to what we're saying here, Garrett being 69th, a lot of unknowns. Obviously, I understand the O-line being ranked dead last. They don't think we really have anything going on. You know, we see it because we're around the program yeah, and we're looking, we're looking from the inside out, right? So we see a, a Donaldson as a predominant, you know, dominant back. Uh, who can obviously blow blow up this year if he stays healthy and the old line does what it does in road grades. Um, but you know, it comes down to exactly what you said. It's it's what have you done for me lately, right? What there there just hasn't been enough data that's resulted in positive uh yeah. in, in, in positive uh content for, for West Virginia right now. And Going back to my days, um, not to just regurgitate what you said, uh, but going back into my days, it, just different mentalities. I don't think – we probably weren't even as talented as the team they have now. Maybe we were, maybe we weren't. You know what I mean? Um, because it seems like each year kids just get keep getting bigger, faster, and stronger. Um, that's not discrediting – the guys that you know I played with at all, but there was a mentality around our program that's different from what I see with Coach Brown. Uh, there was a toughness, right? There was a mental toughness. There was a physical toughness. That's what our program was preached upon. That's what Rich Rod's deal was. We were going to be the most conditioned, most hard-edged team out there. Um. So I, I think as, you know, from what I see, from what I see from the team now, it's a different brand of football altogether. Um, I've had to wrap my head around things at times just on how they uh, are developing players now. But it, 
whoever came up with the rankings, you know what I mean, obviously hasn't seen what we can do and really bro- broke it down um, as much as what you have. And you've been there. You, I mean, you've you've literally physically watched these teams, studied the stats, done the breakdowns. You see, you know, Zach Frazier. Uh, I got to meet Zach Frazier over the summer. That guy is as wide as a door frame. I mean, he is a large man, dude. Huge. I'm telling you, he is a large man. And the rest of the running around him are large people as well. I mean, Mike Joseph has. Yeah, he has built him, dude. Yeah, yeah. He has built him. So, you know, what I see here, a lot of unknowns, but that's because I think people really just don't know what we got bottled up here. Um, And I think, like I said, it's a lot of great billboard material. And if those kids have any guts, which I hope they do, they're going to take this stuff and they're going to run with it. Wes, you've talked about this many times. I, I think college sports in general is about intangibles. West Virginia, especially, part of what Owen just alluded to, is really about intangibles. And and those intangibles include getting pissed off over the course of the summer about, you know, a lack of respect to such an overused and tired phrase in sports, but yeah, but it's the truth. I think, I think that right now it's true for West Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. It's not. It's, it's not, not all. It's not it's Georgia it right now. It's yeah. not Georgia on the field after their national championship right. telling oh, right. everybody thought we were going to go six and six this year. We don't have to manufacture it. It's there. Yeah. Usually, yeah. creative coaches have to manufacture it. We don't have Kirby. To. Kirby oh, Smart's only, telling those guys right now. Yes. Oh, they're saying you're only going to win only seven US games this year. Point and say, look. Here and here and here, nobody believes anything. And that is an absolute intangible. And and I do believe the way that upsets happen, the way that teams with one or two NFL players in college beat teams with 15 NFL players that have no business doing so is because of intangibles. Their, Their game is elevated. Their mindset's right. Now, the question is, are the appropriate buttons hit with these intangibles that we're talking about? I, I firmly believe this offensive line can pave the way to a successful path for this offense. And I think they can make life easy enough to help these quarterbacks grow, uh, despite the schedule, as front-loaded as it might be. Now, when, when you get into the depth that we have at running back, well, hold on. We're, 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 we're... go ahead. I was going to say, before you move on from the offensive line, I just wanted like I, I just I wanted to speak this 30 second piece here. Right. Yes. I know Zach Frazier is a dude. OK, I mean, Owen, Owen just alluded to it. I think I said earlier in the summer in one of our episodes or maybe it was back when I was in Indianapolis. I said Zach's going to be here next year. He's going to be a day two. Pick. He's going to go in the second or third round of the NFL draft. I, I, it's really tough to go first round as a center. He's going to go in the second or third round of the NFL draft. He's a dude. He's a dog. He's a beast. He might be the best, best center. Team. Best player on our team might be the best center in all of college football. I know the guys around. I know he's a dude. I know he's a freak. I know the guys around him are good. Right. I know Doug Nestor's good. I know why it's good. I know Hubbard's got it in him. This has to be the year that they turn good into great because they're capable of it. Zach Frazier is great, and I know the other guys are good, but if those other guys can be great as well, that's when they can be the type of unit that can define the season like for, for, for this team. Um, Pat Kerwin. Zach- you know Pat Kerwin. I have a mm-hmm. ton of respect for Pat Kerwin, former GM for the Jets, great analyst in the NFL. 
Pat Curlin has said, and he's spot on with this, he said, what does every great offensive line have in common? If you study history, they always had at least one guy that you really didn't see coming that turned into something special. And I think that's kind of what you're referencing here, Wes. Yep. Who in that group? Now, Tomas Remack got some starts late in the year. He earned freshman All-American. He has all the potential in the world. Doug Nestor was a freshman All-American at Virginia Tech. We know what Wyatt's capable of. But have they really taken that next step to be at their position what Zach is at center? Yep. Which one of those guys might be? Is it Jaquay? Is it some combination of Jaquay and Brandon? We, we're going to have to see. But one of those guys or two of those guys is going to have to take a step that you just quite don't see coming. And you're exactly right. So that's all, that's all I wanted to say. Um, the experience is there. And that means a lot. But you've you've got you've got to go and put that final kind of you know cherry on top of of what's been a nice career for these guys, and you're right. We we know the center's great. There's one of one or two of those guys that can be not just good but great as well too. Yeah. That's that's when again this offensive line can can have the type of season defining performances and, and carry these teams to victory. That's that's all I wanted to say before we move. And on I like that it's from the inside out. In other words, if you give me one position, Owen that out of the offensive line just absolutely is the clear-cut leader of the pack i want i want it to be my center i want it to be the guy with this ball making the calls making communicating with the rest of the group so that's a great starting point you're you're building from a position of strength inside out and i mean i'm I'm a big believer in sports that you got to believe you got to build from strength inside out, whether it's it's in baseball, whether it's in football, you got to be strong up the middle, right? So you got to have that spine. That's very true. Defensively in football, offensively in football. So this offensive line has all the potential in the world. Who is going to step up and take that super step to rival the level that Zach Frazier is at his position? And I, I, I that's well put, Wes. That's a great point. Now, I, I think that they can pave the way to tap into guys, I'm telling you, and this isn't home speak. This is the, the closer I study and watch this running back room, dude, I want to, we, we talked about DJ Oliver when we signed him and, and I'll, I'll say this about Jaheim white. Okay. I remember before national signing day, early enrollment back in December, John Antonic uh, from WSports.com, John reached out to me and said, Hey, I'm doing a story leading up to signing day. Uh, give me your five guys who you think could make the biggest impact right out of the gates in this class. And and one of the guys I gave back to him was Jaheim White. I talked to Jaheim's coach. I watched Jaheim's tape. This dude's college ready, okay? And 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 so John got back to me. He responded. He said, no, wait a minute. Are you sure you want to go with Jaheim White in this story with what we got in that room? Yeah. I said, John, first, in fairness to Jaheim White, I'm just saying he's the most college ready. He's right there toward the top of this class. And and what's happened in the spring, we saw what he did. He's opening more eyes in camp over the course of the summer. What they're trying to do, there's three guys in that room. You got CJ, who was a tight end and basically flex tight end or even in line in high school. He's only been a running back for a year and a half. You've got Jalen, who was regarded as an athlete coming out. They often in high school put him out wide in the red zone against corners to make leaping grabs in the end zone. So Jalen's got the, the the ball skills, the athleticism to play anywhere along the formation. And now you have Jaheim White. There's three guys 
that you can rep anywhere along the formation. And when you hear Chad Scott talk, that's one of the things he spent the summer making sure those guys master the basic formations. Now, people might think formations are as simple, even if you have 50 formations, it's as simple as looking at a piece of paper and you line up. No, no, no there's splits, there's alignments. You got to understand there's a relationship to the boundary, relationship to the numbers, relationship to the hash. So, yeah, if you can get those three guys who definitely have the skills to play anywhere along the formation, you can create some matchup nightmares. And that's before you even get into what they can do in the backfield. That's before you even get in, Owen, to Luke Hamilton, a true fullback. In other words, the staff is absolutely convinced that Luke Hamilton has a role in short yardage and goal line. But now what they're trying to do is they're saying, okay, well, we don't want to be predictable with Luke Hamilton. How else can we dress the stage to make it appear like other things? We're actually going to use him when it's not short yardage and goal line. So that's how confident in he and Luke Hamilton they are. So we've got all this incredible depth and this incredible versatility in the running back room. We didn't even mention JJ. He's the leader of the pack. He's the oldest guy in the room. You talk about a guy that you can lean on and depend on. Think back to that Virginia Tech game in Blacksburg, how critical he was in the second half of that. So there is so much legitimate depth and playmaking ability with different kids who can do different things. Again, if this is last place, maybe I'm just overanalyzing this, right? That group, that's not a last place group. That's not a last place O-line. I understand it's a collective when they do these things and it's to sell magazines. But when I see that 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 group, that RB room, Owen, it, it's kind of like, like what you did for Rich. When he started to recognize, man, O can do so much more than what I'm asking him to do. I'm going to ask him to play some tight end. I'm going to go, you know, with the same personnel group and maybe put him in line. And, and now we can go single back with 11 personnel with Owen on the field. I, I think that Chad Scott and Neil feel that way about some guys in this group. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I agree 100%. There's just too much athleticism there to not, to not kind of bottle that all up. And, you know, I'm looking at these guys. We're so young. We're so young in the backfield. It's and, like the opposite uh, of the offensive line. It's yeah. crazy. We're so young and we got some bruisers. We got some speedsters. We got guys that can, like you said, go out. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where everyone's plugged in this year. Honestly, like I said, the ratings, even as a player, I never really cared about all that stuff. Yeah. I'd glimpse at it maybe every once in a while to uh, just to kind of see what people were thinking, but honestly, it's all garbage. Once once the ball's kicked off for the first time, a team starts its destiny. I told Zach when I seen him, and it was and Luke Hamilton was with him as well. And that was the first time I got to meet him um, too. And I was like, "Look, you guys got the tools, but you got to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself, you can't you can't make it come to fruition. It's gotta be it's gotta be up in the mind." And it's got to be in the body, man. You got, you got to, you got to believe. We have the intangibles, in my opinion. It's just putting everything together, cutting out, like we said last year, the dumb mistakes, the stupid penalties. Right? Quit killing yourself. Quit killing yourself with that. Be disciplined. Be disciplined in your efforts. I think, um, you know, I know we can say this every year uh, in a damn pre pre-episode you know what i mean pre-game episodes whatever but we do have a lot of talent which i think 
is going to surprise a lot of people. I mean, just with our two quarterbacks alone, we we've been waiting, never really got to see much. We saw a little taste, but I mean, it's it's all up for grabs this year. Wes, the closest that we have sitting here in this conversation to to truly understanding what these guys have been hearing and been dealing with over the course of the summer. They're, they're, they're tired of it. They're trying to block out the noise. They have no chance in the world. You're last place. You're this, you're that. You're counted out. Uh, you, you're dead on arrival. Oh, and you spent three straight nonstop weeks before the Fiesta Bowl of hearing all yeah. these exact <laughs> things, right? Yeah. All these things, this whole team, you know, Rich is off to Michigan. This is going on. That's going on. You got a position coach acting as head coach. You, you got the number three team in America playing the best football of anyone. They should be in the national championship. They shouldn't be in the Fiesta Bowl playing the lowly likes of West Virginia. Three straight weeks, you heard the exact same thing nonstop that this team has been hearing since these magazines came out Memorial Day weekend. Three straight weeks. Now, what did it do to you guys? Did it discourage you? Did it make you feel, ah, maybe we're not up to it? No, it pissed you off. Yeah. If anything, yeah, you you block out the noise and focus on the task at hand. But if anything, it, it it's only serves as motivation, right? Yeah, it only serves as motivation. Like I said, each week when you stack a win on top of the one previous, right? Yeah. And you start climbing out of the cellar a little bit. You know what I mean? Nobody's really still talking about you. You still got your chip on your shoulder. Um, like I said, I feel like West Virginia as a whole, we're just always better when we're the underdog. Think of Kansas last year, guys. Early in the year, nobody saw that coming. We talked about Kansas. We said it ourselves on this very show 12 months ago. Kansas is going to be a lot better, okay? They're not the Kansas you're thinking. Look what happened. We went to Lawrence last year. We barely survived it. They're better. Nobody listened to anything. Next thing you know, they come out and blow the doors off an FCS. Again, nobody wanted to put much stock in that. I'm like, Kansas doesn't blow the doors they off don't do FCS that. teams. <laughs> they barely survive against FCS teams. They don't handle their business like that. They sneak into Morgantown, catch us with a hangover from the backyard brawl. The next thing you know, they win that game in overtime. They're 2-0. and And I still remember... People think, ah, that's an aberration. That's a fluke. They're going to go to Houston, get their doors blown off by Dana. And the next thing you know, they're up by three touchdowns in Houston. And Owen, to your point, now Kansas, you could see it in their body language. Yeah. They were starting. It's, it's called proof of concept. When what your coach tells you actually plays out and unfolds before your very eyes on the field, you really start to believe. Now, say what you want about how Kansas finished the year. I think that was a miracle coaching job. The fact they started 5-0, and the fact they got college game day in Lawrence, unbelievable in large part because those wins and those successes, just like you're talking about, started to snowball early in the year. Now, if you can get something like that to happen with this team, all of a sudden, every small victory, even within the game, matters more yep. than it other otherwise might. In other words, let's say that we're beating – Oh, I don't know. Some let's take Penn State. Let's say at the end of the first quarter, it's ten to seven. We're up. Do you think that's going to matter more to us than it would to Georgia or Alabama? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, we're going to be so jacked up if every little victory within the game, any game, because everybody's counting us out. So if you force a punt, if you force a three and out on Penn State's first series, every little thing's magnified when the world's counting you out. 
I'm not saying what will or won't happen against Penn State or anybody else. I'm just saying, Owen, you just hit on a critical point. Every win you have and every win within the game, the victories that you have, they snowball in such a way. Like I've said this before on this podcast, I literally remember the moment we turned the corner at Glenville from a wretched program that was ready to drop football and Rich took the program over to a team that went on to the national championship. I remember those steps we took along the way. And I finally remember when we stopped waiting for the other shoe to fall and expecting to lose to expecting to win. That's what happens when you have these little victories within these games. And if we can have that happen and lean on the strengths of this football team being the offensive line, the depth and versatility at running back, I, I think you have something there. Now, Wes, what I want to do is I want to segue out of the backfield into the perimeter. You got any closing comments? or? Uh, no, I completely agree with everything you just said. Uh, there was some Charles Wesley Godwin vibes from you there, if I do say so myself. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to say, remind everybody that this episode of ITG is also brought to you in part by our friends at GoMart. Make sure you're signed up for your GoMart rewards as you travel throughout the Mountain State and onward. Uh, Jed, what do we got on the perimeter? Uh, well, first of all, uh, Devin Carter's legit. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't know how many people remember this, but the last time we got a big bodied ACC transfer on the perimeter, it worked out pretty well in George Campbell. I think there's flashes of George Campbell with Devin Carter. I think there's flashes of BFW with Devin Carter. I think he's a steady, reliable, dependable presence. Uh, one of the metrics before I get into what, what he's, he's shown at practice, even in the spring and into, into two a days into camp, I'm still calling him two a days though, but, uh, into camp, uh, at, at, for instance, here's a, here's a stat that kind of puts a spring in your step when you're talking about, uh, Devin Carter, not only did he have a couple of scores in their, you know, ground swell upset of Clemson, including the game winning touchdown, uh, with a heck of a catch in the back corner of the end zone. He had 31 catches on third down in his career at NC State. What I like, 29 of those moved the sticks. Production. That's what you get with this guy. And you saw a lot of that. Even early in the spring last year, they started going to him in critical situations, even with team on team. And that's continued to roll over into Campo. And, and I think he's the alpha. I think he's the leader of the group. You have definitely an established commodity. Why did he come here? He had offers up and down the wall. The reason he came here, we lost the lion's share of our receivers room, and he saw an opportunity at volume. That's what he saw. Look, I don't know what kind of offense West Virginia might or might not have, but I do know if they're going to feature one guy, I have a chance to be that guy. So I think Devin Carter is a true answer. Now, one of the things you have to talk about when you're talking about Devin Carter and his size and his physicality on the perimeter is I think that ties into the tight end room and how we've changed things there. Cole Dixon, 6'7". We, we've said many times the vertical threat that he can present attacking that seam. But again, let's go back to Noah Massey. Noah Massey is a kid that spent three years at Bowling Green, transferred to Angelo State for two years, five years of college football under his belt. He's playing the slot at 6'4", 240. Now, think of this. You've got guys in the Big 12. Uh, Chad Scott's talked about this. When, when defenses go heavy nickel, they got some bigger-bodied guys playing that hybrid-type player. 
that oh, oh and often it, it sets over the slot to the wide side of the field it's yeah in and, and, and a perfect world yeah you want some athleticism so they can play in space but they also want some size to hold that edge against the run right so i mean i mean think about this like you got a, a safety in kendall daniels at oklahoma state he's 6'4 215 sometimes he drops down over that slot now in the past what we've had is sam james soaking wet 176 pounds reese smith 185, 87 pounds. Winston Wright a couple years ago, 180 pounds. We're asking those guys to block some of these safeties that are 215, 220. That doesn't bode well for your run game when you're trying to bounce things. You talk about blowing up the stretch play and blowing up that outside zone that you and I love so much. Let that that hybrid player win that battle on the perimeter, and that goes the way the dinosaur very quickly. Okay, so that's one of the opportunities that we're going to have, I think, with Noah Massey and how he changes the dynamic, a 240 pound, six, four frame, a big bodied kid that also has ball skills. I like that matchup against these larger hybrid safeties in the Big 12 than the smaller bodied guys we've had in the past. But we've also tried to add speed. We lost Sam James, so we had to go out in the market and see what was there. What was there was E.J. Horton from Marshall. He's going to blow the top off of coverages. You're not going to ask him to do a lot. His role's not going to be major, but he does have a role. It's unmitigated raw speed. So when you go through the list of the possibilities we have on the perimeter, Cortez Braham, a guy that I continue, I think he continues to improve. He took what he did in the spring. He's carrying it into camp. He could be that other option opposite Devin Carter on the perimeter. Jeremiah Aaron, again, a guy that played a lot of dynamic, explosive football at the JC level, saw some things out of him last year in spurts, but you've heard Neil talk about it. You've heard the, the rest of the staff talk about this year two leap these guys often take from the junior college level. Hopefully we get that year two leap out of Jeremiah Aaron. Preston Fox has a little something to him. Again, it's just a matter of how much you ask out of these different body types and these different guys. Jay Sean Polk, another guy. There's more to him than just special teams and return skills. So when you look at what we have from the tight end room with Cole Dixon, even Traylon Davis, he has more physicality to him, but he can also be a route runner, to Noah Massey on the perimeter, to some of these guys that we have, mix in what we just said earlier. We're not limiting ourselves to the bodies in that receiver room. We just talked about three guys in the running back room in CJ and Jalen and Jaheim that might, might line up anywhere and create a nightmare for yeah. somebody that's trying to drop down over that slot. So that has to be factored into the equation when you're having a conversation about the receiver room as well. But we have to find a way, take the top off of things. If you're going to be productive in the run game, and you're going to force safeties to drop down or respect and add numbers in the box and put resources downhill, you have to have the ability to strike and strike often enough to keep them honest by taking the top off. And I think we got some guys in that room that can do that. It's just a function of now, as I've said this before, when it's third and eight, first, one of the things we're going to have to do is stay out of a lot of third and eights, but you're going to face some in critical games. What are you going to do when they do find themselves defensively in position to bracket Devin Carter in coverage? Because typically they're going to be so focused on what plays or plays out in the box, they're not going to be committing resources toward the perimeter to Devin Carter. But when it's third and eight, different animal. Now, another thing to talk about, both of our quarterbacks, if it is third and eight, now you have the ability to tuck it and go. I mean, take it for instance. We know what Nico can do with his physicality. He's slippery. He's strong, like we talked about. Garrett Green in his career. 
16 carries on third down, 10 first downs with a seven and a half yard average. So a dimension out of both these quarterbacks, even in those third and long passing situations that we often haven't seen out of their predecessors behind center in the last three, four years. I think where it really gets exciting is, you know, if we can run the football and control the uh, line of scrimmage like we hope and like we think, like we know this team can, then that really opens everything up, right, Jed? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's 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 where it could get a lot of fun for these wide receivers because I think it, we all know it has to start in the trenches. It all has to start in the backfield. Um, but if those guys take care of their business and really give these wide receivers opportunity uh, and we could play off a of play action and things like that as well too, um, I think we could have a, a lot of wide receivers who surprise us and, and put up some some fantastic numbers this season. But it is – it's weird in a way because it feels like success in the past game does still start in the backfield, but I'm really excited to see Devin Carter and I'm excited to see who else emerges behind him because we know there's talent there. As you just kind of laid out, there's a lot of different skill sets and body types. Uh, who's going to be that person who's going to grab the reins of, of, you know, Hey, we know Devin Carter's the guy. We know he's the alpha in Quality this group. over quantity. We're not but looking yeah, for 100. Who's going to be who's going like to be Robin? Who's going to be Robin to his yeah, back? We're, right? yeah, we're not asking for Tavon I mean, and Stedman. We're right? asking for 40 or 50 grabs, but a lot of explosive plays that scare a defense. Right, Owen? Yep. Dude, we're looking for completions, honestly. Yep. Uh, that was something I thought last year we struggled with at times. It was like when we needed those grabs, we just dropped those balls. So I hopefully they're working on that. But I love seeing the different body types that we got at wide receiver. Uh, you know, CJ Cole, 6'4", like you were saying. We got a, some 5'10 speed guys, 6'3", you know. A lot of tools uh, in the toolkit, yeah. Just so many tools right now. And like you were saying, intertwining, I'm gonna, it's going to be interesting to see Chad Scott, Neil Brown really collabing on hey where where's our head at with with possibly bringing running backs out on the field and and you know there might be a, a time we might have three running backs on the field yep you know uh so it'll be interesting to see what don't rule it out yeah don't yeah. rule it out it's uh when they're learning to, where to line up all across the formation yeah i mean yeah you, you could have a situation where you have cj to flex you have jaheem in a slot and you have jj in the backfield i mean and again, I, I said this earlier, and this speaks to the just incredible depth that we're enjoying in that room. Guys, this DJ Oliver kid, again, uh, even pre-pads, you know, it's like Chad Scott was saying, look, this guy comes in at 245, all right? He's already forcing defenders to make some business decisions before we got pads on. Yeah, no kidding. It's that gap. <laughs> There's something to him. I mean, he is a, a 6'3", 240. I mean, he's a running back. He is a <laughs> specimen. Yeah, He's a running back playing slots. He's got quicks. No, no, no. I'm talking about DJ Oliver. Oh. Yeah, the, the, the true freshman running back. Remember, you fell in love with yeah. him. We were yeah. talking about signing the kid from Florida. Yeah, I thought. This sorry, dude showed up at camp. He's 245. And you talk about depth in the running back room. We were thinking, wow, we're even talking about Jaheim White. That's how much depth we have. Well, now yeah. we're talking about the guy that just showed up. So, yeah. It's wow. Yeah. Big, but I mean, like you said, we really have a lot of different tools this year. It's really going to be, you know, what is, and plus, like you said, with Neil having that, uh, that runner at quarterback, 
having a guy who can play that athletic position, what he needs. That's, that's what this offense, in my opinion, has been missing. We just haven't had that guy. So now yep. with everybody else that we stacked up in the off season, you know, hopefully we'll see what ends up unfolding um, come the first game. Guys, they changed the rules. We talked about this way back when, when the committee did this. And you're going to lose anywhere from five to eight snaps per game. Okay. So what that means to me, now you have yourself in position that some defense, what one or two defenses in the league, if the offense plays the hand right, has a chance to face only 50 some odd snaps a game. It could drop into the high 50s. So you talk about lending a helping hand to your defense. Yeah. If if you can dictate the pace, take the air out of things, again, th this isn't a Will Greer offense. We're not asking it to be. This isn't a Geno Smith offense. We're not asking it to be. It's it's somewhere between that and what we asked of Pat White, right? It's it's somewhere between those two things. So you have an opportunity now with the rule changes. You have an opportunity now. Now, all bets are off. If the run game doesn't work and we're asked to put it in the air 40 to 45 times a game, duck for cover, I don't know if we're built for that. Uh, at least week in, week out. You might have a one-off where you try and find a way to survive a game like that in a shootout. But I think we're built to play to our strengths, lean on the strength of the offensive line, and if they can pave the way, eliminate the mistakes, keep us ahead of schedule, that's most critical. And also, the area we struggled in last year finally will close with this, in the red zone. It's very deceiving. Sometimes, again, I say, don't trust stats in the hands of the wrong people. They're very dangerous, Right. Well, West Virginia led the Big 12 in red zone scoring. Number one in the Big 12. Here's why that's deceiving. They count red zone scoring overall as a stat every time, you, the percentage of times you score when you get inside the 20. Field goal or touchdown. I don't care about that. I mean, you know, thank goodness for Casey Lake bailing us out some of the times he did, right? But what I ask for is touchdown production. And when you – you have to climb out of the bottom half of the league in that. When you elevate to the top handful of teams in the conference in touchdown rate in the red zone, now you're talking. Now you're cooking with gas. Because, oh, and that's one of the things you guys were always so good at. Consistently, you rank toward the top of the Big East and among the national leaders in touchdown percentage in the red zone. Now, one of the things that happens, and again, we go back to this. I hate just beating this dead horse. But when the field shrinks... It plays to the strength of the defense if the quarterback can't move around and you're not playing 11-on-11 11 11 football, right? So when you have a quarterback who can force the defense when the field shrinks to play 11-on-11, 11 11, who's athletic enough to do that, it caters to your opportunities to punch it in a few more times than you otherwise might, asking a guy to thread a needle through a tighter window. So there you go. Pretty soon, all these questions will become answers. A final thank you to our friends at Fortis for roof performance and financial security guaranteed. Visit Fortis.us.com. Good stuff, gentlemen. Good crash course there on the offense. Like we said, we'll have we'll do defense and special teams for you here in the coming weeks as we are now under a month until kickoff. Yes, Jed? Yeah, well, I just wanted to say if you missed it, Skylar and I threw together a pretty fun little conversation. That was fun. I enjoyed listening to that. The only thing that I left out and yes, Jed for Jed for college football commissioner. I would have added one more thing. 
And that is, I want a bowl game played on Christmas Day between the worst two teams in America. <laughs> now determined by your record, your point differential, and fan votes. And we're going to call it the Red Rider Shoot Your Eye Out Classic, otherwise known as the BB Bowl. And it's played on Christmas Day. That's the only other thing that I left out. Jed, those, po- those poor kids on that terrible team, those terrible teams, the last thing they want to do is play on Christmas. I mean, geez. It. First, you get the 15 extra you're practices. Put, you're putting coal in their stockings. I mean. Who needs the 15 extra practices more than the two worst teams in America? That's a good point. <laughs> you know? a good, although they might all be in the portal by that. Get they might be, yeah. At that point. They might be. Yeah, if you didn't catch it yesterday, we were dropping back-to-back episodes for you guys here. How about that? Uh, Yeah, Jed and Skyler did a great conversation about what they would do with the college football playoff, with the bowl games, moving some things around at the beginning of the season, some stuff at the end of the season, automatic bids, uh, enjoyable conversation between those two. So make sure you're checking it out. You mentioned Fortis. You mentioned Toothman. Great opportunity to reach out to Fortis. Rick Lewis, great guy, runs that show. Obviously, J.R. Toothman, we know what he means to the community at large in West Virginia, the things that he's done with the Children's Hospital. It's just you don't find better people than J.R. And the business model and the way he approaches things is everything right about West Virginia and Grafton. But renewed partnership. Uh, once again, both those those outfits have renewed. So uh, uh, I want to appreciate and thank what they did. They jumped on board when we started this venture uh so uh great news and that partnership will be continued and and we couldn't be happier and and we're we're, we like aligning ourselves with good people and good businesses and we're going to continue to do that and uh when you know hop in now if you're trying to join the fun because when this podcast is massive all right we're only going to acknowledge our day ones and that's it everyone everyone (laughs) everyone else can kick rocks no we're just kidding we got room for everybody here folks thanks for listening hope you're uh ready for football season we're going to be dropping all kinds of content on you we're going to be releasing multiple episodes a week we got some really fun plans and we're excited to roll it out Uh, for you as always the one thing we ask of you is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite college football your new favorite wvu football podcast make sure you're subscribing to our youtube page for all the visual stuff that we're doing and all of our uh different twitter and instagram and facebook in the gun podcast is where you get us on there yes quick reminder you say this better than the rest of us the believe thing versus spreaker and Yep, we are still in the process. We've got two different feeds, right? We've got one that was created uh, that we we basically we have two different podcast feeds. They're both in the gun, um, but we're asking you to make sure you subscribe to the one that has it's the logo of Owen jumping over the Rutgers player. That's our believe, believe. podcast yep. feed. Um, that is where we're going to be long term taking things. We're grandfathering this in. We're moving slow. Yes, but make sure yeah. for those of you that are subscribed to the feed that has, you know, the, I'm wearing the logo on this T-shirt right now. Um, eventually, not anytime soon, because we want to give everybody time to get up to speed. But eventually that one will go away and it will just be our Believe podcast feed. The one with Owen hurtling that poor bastard from Rutgers. We're going to find out uh, his name. Who was that, Owen? We're going to look it up. Uh, we got to look it up because we got an assignment last, next week. Last name, last name bastard, first name poor. I tell I'm you sure what, Sparky old boy. took that picture, right? Did Sparky take that picture? Yep. Okay. Of course he did. We'll find of out that guy's name. Yeah. Uh, for Jed Drenning, the signal caller, and Owen Schmidt, the runaway beer truck, and a thank you as always to Skyler for throwing everything together for us. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. You've been in the gun. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.